Welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. I am your host, Bridget Connery, coming to you from the dialed studio at Hula on the shores of beautiful Lake Champlain in Burlington, Vermont. In today's episode, we provide a quick update on the Vermont market, which just celebrated its first anniversary. We will take a look at the latest numbers from the Cannabis Control Board, and we'll hear from a few licensed growers as they look back on their first year of operations and share how this experience will shape their plans for the future. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to our autumnal update on the Vermont Cannabis Marketplace. At the time of this recording, we are just a couple weeks into our second year of retail sales. Back on October 1st of 2022, three stores opened their doors to sell cannabis to adults 21 and over. Mountain Girl Cannabis in Rutland, Flora Vermont in Middlebury, and Series Collaborative in Burlington. Product selection was slim in the beginning due to the lack of licensed manufacturers and the fact that many of the licensed cultivators were just processing their first harvests and figuring out how to get their flowers to market. We also only had one analytical lab performing all of the quality control tests required for product registration, which contributed to a bottleneck that already existed in this nascent process. Now, one year later, we are up to 65 licensed retailers and many more growers and manufacturers. In total, as of September 25th, the CCB has licensed 534 businesses across all licensed categories. That's a lot. In what other business sector do you see so many new businesses created in such a short period of time, especially in Vermont? Let's take a look at those numbers, both for licenses and product registration. Of the 534 licenses, 384 of them are cultivation. That's just under 72% of the total. 40% are licensed for outdoor, 29% for indoor, and 31% are mixed. As we have noted repeatedly on this show, Vermont is attempting to create a market that favors small farms, and the numbers bear that out. 78% of the licensed grows are Tier 1, which allows for only up to 1,000 square feet of total plant canopy. We will get into the definition of plant canopy and how much is currently licensed a little further on into the show. Moving on to the manufacturers. There are currently 68 licensed, and 70% of these are Tier 2. For some context, there are only three tiers for manufacturing in Vermont. Tier 1 is the smallest, with a gross annual revenue cap of $50,000. It is restricted to solventless extraction and must be home-based. Yes, you heard that correctly. I think that Vermont may be the only state that allows businesses to operate out of their home. Tier 2 has no revenue cap and is also limited to solventless extraction. That means water, food, or heat and pressure-based methods of extraction. Tier 3 are the only ones that can perform solvent-based extractions such as CO2 and propane, though butane and hexane are prohibited. 
Vermont only has nine manufacturers operating at this level. As we noted earlier, we now have 65 licensed retailers. Just under half of these are concentrated in eight municipalities, basically the population centers and some border towns that see a lot of interstate traffic or are near a border crossing with Canada. Burlington is up to nine licensed retailers, and one more was approved in the September CCB meeting. Two more are in the application queue, including ours. That will bring the total to 12 once we are all up and operational. Speeding through the last three license categories, there are 11 licensed wholesalers in the state. From what we can tell, these are mostly the larger manufacturers, who in some cases are also doing contract manufacturing and some distribution. We have not seen anyone rise up to fulfill the traditional distributor role of not only delivering a product from point A to point B, but providing consistent brand and sales support to their clients as well. If you are a wholesaler out there that begs to differ, be in touch. We'd love to hear what you're up to. There are three integrated licenses in the market, and this is the way it will stay for the foreseeable future. These are the medical cannabis dispensaries, Series Collaborative, now owned by Slang Worldwide, Vermont Patients Alliance, which is owned by Cureleaf, and Grassroots Vermont, formerly owned by Ianthus Capital and now under new private ownership. By state law, only the medical licenses can hold an integrated license in the adult use market. And finally, on the licensing front, there are only two analytical labs, BIA Diagnostics and Onward Analytics. To our knowledge, there are no lab applications in the queue. Not surprising since labs are expensive to open and operate. They require staff with technical expertise, and Vermont is a small market. The CCB has also recently been considering an ISO certification requirement for labs in the future. This will increase operational costs if it goes through and may be an added deterrent to those thinking about entering the market. On to products. We did not get any new information from the CCB in the September meeting, but the August report shared the following. As of August 28th, there were 2,651 registered products distributed across the following categories. 74% are flour and pre-rolls, 11% are extracts, including vape cartridges, 10% are edibles, 3% are other, 2% are sublingual, and 1% are topical. It is important to note that these numbers represent registered SKUs, not sales. Vermont has not released any sales numbers related to product categories. If you are interested in seeing a complete listing of the registered products in Vermont, the CCB provides a spreadsheet on their website, which they update on a regular basis. It is not the easiest to navigate, but it gives a snapshot for those eager to dive in. Look for a link in the show notes. All right, that is a wrap on the numbers. Now let's touch upon some of the topics of interest since our last market update in the spring. Let's tackle the plant canopy conversation first and why it is important, since we already brought it up. The Vermont legislature has defined plant canopy in statute as, quote, the square footage dedicated to live plant production and does not include areas such as office space or areas used for storage, end quote. Because it includes all plant production, not simply flowering canopy, it is not an accurate indicator of how much product could potentially make it to market. We don't have any data from the CCB that speaks to flowering canopy only. This could change over time, especially with the addition this year of a new nursery license type that, among other things, allows cultivators to have extra square footage dedicated to non-flowering plants. 
Anyhow, what we do have from the CCB is some data on licensed plant canopy versus utilized canopy. They have broken it down into indoor versus outdoor. You ready for some more numbers? All right. As of September 25th, the CCB has licensed 574,500 square feet of outdoor canopy. 78% of that is being utilized. Indoors, we are looking at 366,000 square feet of licensed canopy, with only 40% of that being utilized. According to CCB Executive Director Bryn Hare, this low indoor utilization rate is due primarily to the fact that the majority of licensed mixed cultivators, those that can grow both outdoors and indoors, are not using their indoor capacity at all, like 0% zip. We don't have much insight into why this is, but it will be interesting to watch over time, especially when you throw in climate change and what that could mean to outdoor cultivation in Vermont. That is a topic for another show. Let's get back to why this canopy conversation is important. There's a segment of licensed cannabis businesses, primarily Tier 1 through Tier 3 growers, that are advocating loudly for closing the application windows for the large tiers. Back in the spring, they were successful in convincing the CCB to close the window for Tier 5 indoor. Now they're working on Tier 4. Their argument is that the current licensed canopy is adequately supplying the market, and adding more, especially by large growers that could potentially flood the market with cheaper product grown at scale, will devastate the craft market and put small growers out of business. Does their argument have merit? Well, let's break it down. First of all, we don't have any data that points to the current supply satisfying the market. In fact, we hardly have any data on the market, which is really frustrating for stakeholders. We'll talk a little more about this shortly. So, without relevant data, this argument is purely subjective. If we were to look at the supply and demand market model that was put together by state-hired consultants ahead of the market opening last year, it was forecasted that Vermont would need approximately 400 to 500,000 square feet of flowering canopy to meet the projected demand. As we already noted, the CCB does not have data on flowering canopy, but in a report made to legislative committees back in 2021, they noted their assumption that flowering canopy typically makes up 40 to 60 percent of total canopy. Applied to the current 940, 500,000 square feet of total licensed canopy, this thinking would put potential flowering canopy now in existence at about 375 to 560,000 square feet, which on its face looks like we might be hitting the mark. But guess what? We already learned that a combined 30% of the current licensed canopy is not under production. And the CCB does not have definitive info on how many cultivators are going to be renewing their licenses in year two. In last month's meeting, they said they would be providing more detail on that by the end of the year. So we have no idea where total canopy or flowering canopy is going to settle. And it is therefore too soon to tell. The CCB is right to hold off on this decision for now. All right, a few last comments on this topic before we move on. First, the CCB's numbers on utilized canopy are estimates based on data they have collected on routine site inspections. In the August CCB meeting, we were informed that the compliance team had only completed follow-up inspections at approximately one-third of cannabis cultivation operations. That means that two-thirds of cultivators had not been inspected since their initial inspection pre-licensure. 
Pre-licensure, in theory, means that an operator had not even started growing. They had their farm or their facility and a plan. This further underlines how little we know about the supply chain. Second, and further to this point, we know that we are experiencing inversion into the market. Inversion happens when unlicensed or illegal product makes its way into the legal marketplace. We know this because we heard it from Compliance Director Carrie Jagir in our three-part series on compliance on this podcast. We see it in the Executive Director's monthly reports on ongoing investigations, and we hear it from concerned licensed operators. Until the CCB has a better handle on the supply chain, inversion is potentially as significant a contributor to oversupply as overlicensing, and we should be talking more about that because it speaks to both consumer safety and market stability. And finally, we will witness oversupply at some point in this market. The concern growers are right about that. When that happens, prices will come down like they do everywhere else. And eventually, top performers will create strong value propositions to attract and retain customers. And then the market will support them in charging more for their craft products. That's how markets mature. Also, it is very important to understand that the cannabis market as a whole, not just in Vermont, is still underdeveloped. What do I mean by that? We still need to draw more customers into the market. According to a 2022 YouGov poll, 52% of Americans say they have tried cannabis. That is the highest measurement to date, but it is still only 52%, and it is up from 40% only eight years ago. Among those that have tried cannabis, 43% consumed it in the previous year, and 72% consumed it in the previous month. Conclusion? We still have a ways to go in creating a mature market, and we have yet to learn what purchasing habits will be when we get there. If current trends are any indication, new consumers are focused more on health and wellness and are attracted to lower doses and formats other than smoking. Okay, enough about that. (laughs) Let's keep talking about data and the lack of it coming out of the CCB. Unlike other state cannabis programs, Vermont chose to create its own inventory tracking system. We have talked about this many times on the podcast because it has been a real pain point for operators and CCB staff alike. Back in episode 27, Compliance Director Carrie Jagir stated that if anything is keeping him up at night, it's inventory tracking because they are building the ship as they fly it. This results not only in delays in getting products to market, but also to the total absence of or delayed access to data that seemingly every other regulated state is prepared to publicize on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis immediately after launch. Data like how much cannabis biomass has actually made it to the market and what are the sales figures associated with that which product categories are generating the most revenue, or what are the actual pricing trends in the market. These types of numbers are super important for both businesses and investors when it comes to deciding how they want to put their resources to work. What we do get for numbers comes from the Agency of Administration, which puts out a monthly revenue press release report that shows the amount of excise tax that has been generated by regulated cannabis sales. If you're good with math, and if you have time to put the effort in, you can calculate total monthly and total overall revenue from this data. But it is always at least one month behind. In total, from October 2022 to August 2023, 
Approximately $9,300,000 in excise taxes has been collected from just under $67 million in cannabis sales. Where does that stack up with the supply and demand market model forecasts, which provided the foundation for our program? Well, the model projected that adult use revenue in 2023 would come in at around $216 million. So it appears we have a long ways to go. How come nobody is talking about it? All right. We would be remiss to not include a quick update on the medical program. The short of it is that the numbers of registered patients and caregivers continue to trend down. The total number of registered patients is hovering just above 3,000, and we don't have any data, see above, that speaks to how active they are in either growing for themselves or accessing the dispensaries. Nor do we have any data on how much revenue is being generated in the program. The CCB does share qualifying condition data, so there's that. The most recent reports shows that 79% of patients are qualifying under the other category of qualifying conditions. Within this group, approximately 90% are qualifying for chronic pain. The CCB is currently conducting medical program study committee meetings. Four meetings are planned, and two of them are complete. Topics for review include, but are not limited to, an assessment of qualifying conditions, which cultivars, doses, and active ingredients are best suited for treatment of these qualifying conditions, and how the use of cannabis is communicated to patients and providers. All sessions are remote and accessible by stakeholders. We'll drop a link for more info in the show notes. We'll be right back after a short break. Hey there, it's me again with a friendly reminder to follow our lovely little show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're really digging what you hear, like the show, review it, and share it with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Take care, and thanks for listening. Great. That was a lot of info and a lot of numbers. If we didn't lose you along the way, thanks for staying with us. If you ever want to dive back in on specific numbers, we always provide thorough show notes with timestamps related to particular topics. Let's pivot now from data and finish up with some personal stories from a few licensed cultivators who were generous with us in sharing their perspectives on their first year in business, the lessons, the challenges, the rewards, and the plans for the future. And while we're at it, let's give them a high five. We are definitely overdue in that department, and they all most certainly deserve it. This is Michelle Shane of Clover Hill Cannabis. Looking back on our first year of growing, we faced a lot of different kinds of challenges. Uh, I think our first challenge was realizing that we didn't have all the systems in place that we needed to deal with power outages over the winter, so we're working on that now, make things run a little bit more smoothly, because they are going to happen. I guess that other challenge was really just everything of learning how to run a business and learning how to run a business while taking care of two young children and balancing childcare needs. My husband and business partner 
continued to work his full-time job and I quit my job of 12 years to do this full-time because this is what I love. And it's, it's a, a little overwhelming at times for one person. Um, I've realized <laughs> that, you know, from transplanting the plants and the seedlings and taking care of them and pruning and watering and fertilizing to harvesting and trimming and packing orders and doing outreach to be able to sell our product and bookkeeping, learning QuickBooks, filing paperwork for the CCB, reporting and navigating product registration and being patient for that. Yeah, it's 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 been a lot, but I think I'm finally getting my feet under me and I'm definitely looking forward to another year and growing. Hello, this is Thayer Gowdy of Island Pond Cannabis. We're a tier one license in the Northeast Kingdom. Mid-November will be one year since our first flower sale. It's been a beautiful first year filled with fine flower. Ups and downs with dialing in our new grow rooms and forming friendships and partnerships with the dispensaries that carry our goods. Our small craft cannabis is tended to by our family, myself and my brothers, Scott and Mike. We have a long family history of Vermont handcrafting besides cannabis, like stained glass, pottery, wood turning, and furniture design. Our farm is technically progressive, while our cultivation is intimate and cared for with our own hands. We water our plants with cold, deep waters from our mountain, and we meticulously grow in our climate-controlled indoor rooms, yielding consistently clean, premium flour. We trim our flour by hand, and cure slowly and methodically with our technique developed over the years to bring our customers the smoothest smoke. Our pre-rolls are closed by hand and individually weighed for consistency. We use only pure flower buds, no leaves or trim. We believe in sharing the finest flower. Let's talk vibes. We offer our flower in three vibes, sun, wild, and moon. We believe folks should craft their experience by choosing how they want to feel in a way that everyone can understand. Sun is our sativa dominant. Wild is our hybrid cultivar. And moon throws indica vibes for relaxing. We grow several different cultivars every harvest in each room to spread our flower among our vibes. This year has been about finding what folks want in Vermont, which vibes resonate the most, and which dispensaries sell the most of certain vibes and crafting our cultivars to meet the market. This year also informed us of marketplace demands from customers and dispensaries. And you'll see that reflected in the new products we're launching next year. Our grow itself is constantly shifting and perfecting every harvest to find that balance between satisfying customers and optimizing our crops. We're always trying new cultivars, so we're always learning about what each lady needs. We've definitely learned this year that being agile in our choices is key to meeting the needs and preferences of our customers. Talking to our dispensaries and checking in, asking our customers what their vibes are and how we can better serve our community. Next year, we're offering two to three new flower products and we're super excited about them. While Scott and Mike tend to the day-to-day growing, we all come together at Harvest. I'm the creative director. I handle all the design, marketing, and photography for our brand. In between harvests, I craft new accessories to complement our flower. On our site, islandpodcannabiscompany.com, you can find some of our provisions, ceramic ashtrays, 
rolling platters, ritual candles, pipes, silkscreen shirts, and sweatshirts. Every couple harvests, I like to use the cannabis leaves and hand-dye bandanas, adding in turmeric, local wild berries, and wildflowers. Cannabis is a lifestyle, and I love preserving and continuing our love of craft in hand-making items. As our brave little state grows and learns about the ritual flower, we grow with it and feel privileged to be able to take the fine folks of Vermont on the journey with us. Hi, my name is Sam Bellavance. I'm the owner of Sunset Lake Cannabis, an outdoor cannabis farm in the Champlain Islands. I'm also the co-owner of Sunset Lake CBD. So 2023 started off a little rough for us uh, with the Vermont hemp program ending and the USDA taking over hemp cultivation in Vermont. Uh, unfortunately, they decided to rescind our hemp growers license. So we weren't able to grow any hemp this year, uh, even though we've been growing hemp for four years. So that was really sad. And as you can imagine, a huge blow to the CBD business. And we're actively trying to figure out a solution uh, so we can grow hemp again next year. If you want to learn more, Seven Days recently ran an article about these challenges facing Vermont hemp farmers, and you can check out the link in the description. For Sunset Lake Cannabis, we actually had a really good year. Uh, despite some rough weather, especially all that rain in July, uh, we were able to implement some really cool solutions at our farm uh, that I think a lot of outdoor growers could use, such as trellising to get those plants high up off uh, the wet ground and into the sky so they can dry out. And through a lot of hard work, tenacity, a little bit of luck, we're able to bring in uh, one of our best harvests yet, uh, definitely better than last year in terms of quality and quantity. And we're really excited to get some premium sun-ground flour out to the public. Another thing we're really excited to talk about is over the summer, we work with the nonprofit Carbon Neutral to audit our greenhouse gas emissions and develop a plan to mitigate our impact on the environment. So we're excited to announce that by the end of 2023, Sunset Lake Cannabis will be carbon neutral certified. Lastly, we released a bunch of exciting new products with the standout being the BTV blunts. These one gram slow burning blunts are wrapped with a blend of hemp and rice paper and provide a great way to relax by yourself or with friends. Going into our second year, we're expanding our VT vapor cartridges with some fun fresh frozen goodies, which has been a really exciting project. And uh, so stay tuned for those as we get those out into the market. So all in all, uh, some good news, some bad news, but you know we've got a really great team here at Sunset Lake and we're excited to get more premium cannabis products out to the public going into 2024. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks go out to my creative crew at High Fidelity, Olaf Willoughby and Shane Lynn, and to the team at Syntax in Motion for producing this show. A special shout out to Will Davis, my sound engineer. Thanks to you for listening to us today. If you enjoy what you heard, subscribe on our website, hi5vt.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Better yet, like, share, rate, or leave a comment. You can request topics or interviews for our show by emailing us at bewell at hi5et.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. Until then, be well and have fun out there.